0: Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information,
1: visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon, and remember, you are loved.
0: as we, we jump into this we're going to look at the last letter which is E love endures love endures everyone say love endures love indoors. yeah love endures you know we read a passage in, in love values uh, two weeks ago uh, a passage in which shows that Samuel had endured I don't know if you remember that passage uh, despite many disappointments in his life he endured he lasted um, in 1st Samuel chapter 12 it's 1 through 5 but I'm only going to read verses 1 and 2 right now He said this, and for some of you guys that maybe forgot, it says, then Samuel addressed all of Israel, and he says, I have done as you've asked, and I've given you a king. Your king is now your leader, and I stand here before you, an old gray-haired man. You remember that? And my sons serve you. I've served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. When, when, When this is being said here, To the congregation of Israel we we see here that there was an endurance in Samuel's life does everyone see that in that passage he's talking about gray hairs he's talking about I'm old now and I've been doing this since I was a boy and here I am an old man now and I've lasted I've endured I think one of the I guess I use the word beautiful one of the most beautiful things is this is when I speak to someone who's a believer and they're older you know they got great hairs. Maybe they got no hair, and you start talking to them of the faith, and they start to tell you, "Like I've been with the Lord for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, 40 years." You just want to sit with that person a little bit longer, don't you? And you just want to hear some of their life, because there's a testimony above that. The Bible talks about the testimony of those who endure. Those who endure conquers. Those who endure, man, that's who heaven is for. Those who last. And it's always a beautiful thing to hear from the indoors, hear from the ones who remain. Amen? You know, one definition for endure is this, and you can write this down in your notes. It's to remain in existence, to last. You've, you've ever met some Christians that have expired? I have I've met many Christians that have expired. Known many Christians that have expired. I've seen many get on fire for the Lord. They're like fireballs. Everything, they touch them and burns up. And as quickly as that thing gets on fire, it's as quickly as it dims and just extinguishes, distinguishes. And, and I've seen that. I've seen many expire. But the blessing, the hope is for those who last, for those who remain, for those who endure. If you've endured in your, in your faith and you're enduring in your faith, it's all about Jesus today. But give yourself a hand of you can do it, a hand of keep going. Give yourself a hand for saying, I'm going to keep going forward. Amen. And when I say give yourself a hand, really it is, Lord, thank you for giving me the grace and the strength to endure because I wouldn't have done it without you. Amen. You guys with me today? Help me out. My voice is getting shot. I have no idea why. Here we go. In Psalm 136, I'm not going to read the whole uh, chapter. I don't have time. I'll read a few verses from it, many verses. but, But listen to the psalmist as he talks about enduring love and, and how it endures forever. Listen to this. We'll start off in verse 1. Psalm 136, verse 1. It says this. Please catch the words. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. How many of you can say amen? amen. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. <clears throat> give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him alone who does mighty miracles. Can anyone anyone testify of that? His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever, man. Give thanks to Him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him And made the sun to rule the day, his faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night, his faithful love endures forever. Isn't that amazing? In verse 23, he continues. And listen to this. I, I, I really believe that there's a praise in us for this verse. Ready? Give thanks to him who remembered us in our weakness. Praise God for that. And the beauty is that he still remembers us in our weakness. His faithful love. Can you say that with me? He saved us from our enemies. Can you say it? He gives food to every living thing. Give thanks to the God of heaven. And you should write that down in your notes. His faithful love endures forever. You know, God doesn't sit in a meeting with you before your pastor or before a therapist God does not sit with next to you before a therapist and says I just I think I've fallen out of love with this person God looks at you and says nah my faithful love for you endures forever isn't that amazing C.S. Lewis said this Though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Though our feelings come and go, God's love doesn't. I'm going to be staying and just riding on a passage. If you could turn your Bibles to Romans 8. I'm going to read verses 31 through 39 and really dissecting it verse by verse. And I'm going to start off in verse 31, chapter 8 of Romans. If you could just turn there. Paul, as he writes this beautifully written passage, He starts off in verse 31, and he says this. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? What what a powerful passage that is. What a powerful statement that is. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I hope for some of you that kind of encourages you right now. I hope that does something for you. Because you have a God that is actually for you. You have a God that is for you. Many faiths, many religions out there, they got to do, 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 do to receive the acceptance of their God. Do you understand that you don't have to do anything at all because you've already accepted by God? You just got to come to his feet. You just got to come and, and confess and give your life to him and he's going to receive you. He's not going to say, hey, do these 10 things and then maybe I'll think about it. Do a couple sacrifices and maybe I'll, I'll kind of ponder on it. And I love how Paul tells the church here, he says, what, what shall we say about such these wonderful things? If God is for us, who could ever come against us? It's a powerful statement. And, and, I, and I love reading that statement because it's a reminder that, man, when I feel alone, I could, I could rest in the truth that God is for me. In the moments of despair, in the moments of loneliness, in, in the moments of insecurities, I could stand in the presence of the one who is for us. What a powerful statement that is. That, that when we read this, that we could understand that Satan himself or any other opposition, listen to this, will never succeed because of this one truth, because of this major fact right here. God is for us. God is for us. Sometimes I believe that I, and we forget this a lot. He is for us. And whatever rises up against us, we confront it with the one who is for us. And then he goes on in verse 32 and 33. He says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's that's beautiful, right? He didn't say, son, don't do it. But, But instead, he gave us Christ Jesus. He gave him up for all of us. Look what he says. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen? Who dares accuse God's chosen, God's elect, for his own? No one. For God himself has given us, what does it say next? Has given us the right. Has given us right standing with God. When when you look at these two verses, I, I ponder on this, that whoever or whatever brings charges against God's chosen, those who are truly in the faith, This passage is teaching us that they will never be found guilty. Hey, have any charges ever been brought against you before the presence of God? He covers those charges and you're not guilty before God. Think about what a love that is. That, That they're not found guilty. That God declares us, look at that part where it says he declares us right right before the world. He he declares us right on that great day, like I mentioned. Lord, I can't wait to be on your throne on that beautiful day where your elders are there. Uh, even on that great day of judgment, He declares us right. That that, that phrase right there is talking about the righteousness that is actually found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God finds us right because of the righteousness of his son. So because of in and through Christ, we stand before the father and we're right because of what Jesus has done. We're right. We all could testify of our wrong days, can't we? We do really good at that. Oh, man, in the streets, I was this kind of person. And if I found you back in the days, I would do this. I mean, you've ever, you know, some people just do such a good job pumping themselves up when they were, when they were bad, right? But you know what's better than that badness? That you stand before God and in Christ through his righteousness, you now are no longer wrong. You're, you're righteous now in and through Christ. That's powerful. That should get more glory than the past testimony of how bad we were. We're so right now. We're so right because of who Christ is in us and through us. That's powerful, man. God declares us to be right before this world and before that day of judgment. You know, I'll stop for a moment. This is not part of it, but I just think about judgment for a moment. And, and the day of judgment, it's going to be two things. To the believer, the day of judgment is a beautiful thing. The Day of Judgment is a place that we can't wait to get to, to stand before His throne. But for the unbeliever, for the sinner who continues to live in sinful lifestyles, woe to them on the Day of Judgment, sorrow for them, danger for them. Those who do not accept Christ, those who do not give their lives to the Lord, those who do not fully surrender it all to them and, and declare Him as the one true God and Ask for forgiveness of their sins. The day of judgment for them is going to be a day where all wrong over their lives will be declared. Isn't that crazy? But for the believer, when we stand before God on that beautiful day, the Father will look at us. And as He is ready to give judgment, the Son stands as the mediator and says, Dada, this one has been made right. And that's where the passage of scripture says, he looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. It's almost as if he's saying it to you, well done, good and faithful servant. He's really saying it to his son. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant, son, you. <laughs> because if it wasn't for you, they wouldn't be here. <laughs> so don't bask asking like, you know, one day God's going to tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. The heck with that. He's going to say it to you, and he's going to wink at his son. (laughs) And we all in this room, in the throne room, we all know it's really you, Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. But because of that good and faithful servant, I get to share that title with Christ. I get to share that title. So when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, he gives a little wink to Jesus. I'm just going to do the little pimp walk right in the throne of heaven, just, just, just. Why, why? Because God looks at me through a lens, and the lens, the focus on my life says, you're right. Not necessarily because everything right you've done on earth, but because of everything right my son has done for you on earth. And you lived in that truth. And because of that, well done. Come in, good and faithful servant. That's powerful. That's an amazing love. That's a beautiful love that he's making us right. I love how the message says it. It says it this way. Check this out. Ready? The message goes to this passage, and it says it. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose, huh? How many of you, when you play games, you just love to win? One person. (laughs) Doubt it. How many of you are sore losers? All right. I hate to lose. You know who I really hate to lose to? My wife. My wife can't beat me in anything. There's no way I'm going to let my wife beat. Danny, don't start. Danny's already in the back. Don't start, Danny. (laughs) Danny is a sore loser. Danny loves to win. As your pastor, as your friend, as your brother, do not go play any sports with Danny. He will test your faith. If you endure a basketball game with Danny, you know Jesus. If anyone has ever played a game with Danny and they know that's truth, can I get an amen? Yeah, I ain't lying. Danny, am I lying? All right. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, guys, listen to this. Embracing our condition. Hey, how many of you could praise the Lord that he embraced your condition? (laughs) Wow! And exposing himself to the worst. He embraced my sinful condition and embraced all of himself, exposed himself to the worst punishment because of my sin, because of my condition, my anger. By sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Come on, you want to tangle with God? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment. Listen to this, sticking up for us. Come on. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Church, say this with me. Love endures. Indoors. What's, what's going to separate? What's going to bring a, a wedge between me and, and Christ? What's the answer? There is no way. Love what? His love endures. There's no way. That if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and God, us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. How many of you could give God some praise for that? there's no way verse 34 says who then everyone say who then, who then? yeah who you know the the new orleans Saint, saints have a chant you know anyone know the chant the who that chant who them boys going to mess with the new orleans saints and all that stuff who them who that who them you walk around the earth and they who that Who that say you're going to mess with God's chosen? Who them people think they're going to rise up against God's elect? Who that? There is no way. That's that's an amazing thing. Verse 4 then says, who that? Who that will condemn us? (laughs) Who that will condemn us, huh? Who them people think are going to condemn us? I like this one. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and he was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he is what? Pleading for us. Who then will condemn you? No one. Jesus fights for me. Who then will speak ill against you and condemn you to hell? Not a darn person. Because Christ is in his throne and he's speaking on my behalf. Who that? Ain't nobody going to condemn me. That's powerful, man. I really want you to look at this verse again. Because after all that he's done on the cross for us, really, really, listen to this. After after the resurrection, and what an amazing thing that was, being raised from the dead, like if, like if the cross and the resurrection, like if that wasn't enough evidence to prove his love for us, huh? huh? Like if that wasn't enough, that should have been the stamp right there. That should have been the stamp. The, the, the cross and the resurrection should be the stamp of God's love for us. But, but it, does, it goes further than that. It, it goes deeper than that. Listen to this. Because scripture says he's now sitting in the place of honor. At God's right hand. And guess what he's doing now? He's pleading for us. Anyone you with me? Okay. He went to the cross for you. Amen. Amen. He resurrected in power for you. Amen. Amen. It didn't even end there. Because now he's still working on your behalf. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's constantly driving the Father crazy. You've been around someone that just drives you nuts or constantly talking? He's constantly in the presence of God, speaking to the Father's ear. Your name, your name, your name. He is pleading. That's love. That's a love that endures. It endures even to eternity. It didn't stop at the cross. We always preach the cross and we always preach resurrection and we should preach that constantly and often. But there's still a love that is being spoken at the throne room. And Jesus is still saying constantly, 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 your name to the Father, fo- waiting to you. It's like someone that's in love. Come on. Waiting to you see her. I'm going to speak as a man because I'm a man. It's going to be weird if I act like a woman and say, her. so I'm going to play my part as a man waiting to you see her. Oh, my God. You tell your friends, bro, wait until you meet this girl that I met. And you start falling in love with her. What do you doing, huh? You start, t- you fool, man. You stay up and you do all-nighters on the phone. Remember those days? <laughs> you stay up all night. And everyone asks you the next day, why are you so tired? And you know, <laughs> You know, I went out, you, know, you didn't you sit up till five in the morning talking to her. You fell asleep on the phone with her, and you do all these weird things where and, and you, you start telling your friends, and oh my like, gosh, she's so this and, and she's so hot and she's so beautiful, and you get all these little mushy-whoshy kind of stuff. If only that endured forever. And and all these and all these days. De- but it's almost as if that's what, it's almost, that's what's, what's, it's almost like what Paul is telling us in Romans. Like like Jesus is there and he's sitting next to dad. He's like, Pop, I mean, when did you see this bride? When did you see this babe? When did you see this woman? I died for her, Pop. I mean, Pop, man, if you only see her, Pop. I mean, I, trust me, you're going to think the same thing as I thought, Pop. I mean, I gave my blood for her. I gave my life for her. Pop, I mean, my gosh, she is gorgeous. She is beautiful. Pop, I mean, you have no idea. And, and just the father is sitting there and he's listening to the son. Constantly, constantly, constantly speaking to him about this beloved, about this bride. And like, when did you meet her in her fullness? When did she's all here? When did she lives with me in the New Jerusalem? When did we experience that wedding feast together? When I get to drink wine with her again, and I get to break bread with her again? Because you know that Jesus said, "I won't break bread and I won't drink wine again until I'm with my beloved in the wedding feast." And and good pop, when did you? wait eh, eh, and, and I'm almost thinking, I don't know if this is not like old oh, biblical or anything like this. This is just my thoughts. Ready? I'm. almost thinking like the father's like can we hurry up the rapture can we hurry up the times because the more that the son talks about the bride I just need her to get here already so I can stop listening to this and I can already start seeing it (laughs) I don't know I'm just thinking that's what the father's like come on let's speed up the time let her come here already because my son is longing for his bride are you guys with me He's sitting in the place of honor. He's enduring for us. His enduring love didn't end at the cross or at his resurrection. His love endures for us still today as he sits there. Still, listen to this, still, continually, faithfully pleading for you. You ever felt like, God, no one loves me. No one recognizes me. No one cares for me. No one, read the Bible. There is someone that is so madly in love with you that he is constantly pleading on your behalf before the presence of God the Father. Faithfully pleading for you. You know, the proper word that is used in this verse, listen to this, write this down in your notes, is the word intercession. That's the proper word. Intercessory. I guess I'll just do it how many of you what, 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 uh, I'm just going to talk to the married people for one moment just so everyone else just close your ears f- for a second or just start thinking about everything else for a moment and I'll call you back in a second let me just talk to the married people for a second just one time I just need to talk to them about a second married people really quick where are you are you married how often do you pray for your spouse now now, now some maybe some maybe like oh, shoot I really don't even pray for him or her like, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Because what, what Christ is doing here, I'll get everyone's attention for a second. What Christ is doing here is he's interceding. There's a, it's a process, of, it's, it's, it's an intercession that's happening. I don't know if you understand this, but, but Jesus sits at God the Father's right hand on their throne. Notice that, on their throne. He sits on their throne. And he's still working on our behalf. He, listen, he's still pleading, he's still rooting us on, he's still praying. For us. And when that passage says, who can condemn us when, when Christ speaks for or on our behalf, that, that phrase there is, is really the word intercessory? It's an intercessor. And that means that that now Christ at the throne room, he is the mediator, meaning he is the middle man. What I mean by that is that he is the connection now between us, the sinner, and God, the Holy Father. That that we could say, thank you, Lord, that your love endures for me because if it wasn't for you, I would never be drawn back into the Father's love again. I'm going to explain this a little bit more, but look at verse 35. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? You know that answer yet? You don't know it yet. Okay. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Any of you ever had trouble in your faith? You had like just a sour moment? You had some cloudy days in your faith before? You've had days that you just didn't spend time with God, you didn't pray, you didn't even know, you you actually cursed. You cut someone off maybe, you did something wrong with your actions, you had evil thoughts, you lusted. You've had a bad day before, you've fallen before. Uh, like Pastor Tom said, you've been up here praising the Lord, hallelujah, glorious, but really, you say, if they only knew what I just did last night, if they only knew what I did in the morning, if they only knew how this week really went for me, how I just gossiped about everyone, I just trashed, I basically murdered my boss. Ever been there? You've ever had just a, a, yeah, just in my mind, murder in my mind? If now you need to turn yourself in and just take it. Go to jail. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble, calamity, or if we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger, if we are threatened even with death? I read verse 35, and I hope, and I get this, and, and I really, I, I hope we all know the answer already, because when the verse 34 is revealing to us this, that, that he's our intercessor, Meaning that he is in constant intercessory for us on the basis of his shed blood. He's in intercessory for us. That, that, that his love endures so much that interceding for us that signifies that he is in an effective, ineffective, and effective an intervention intervention for us. Someone is intervening on our behalf. Someone is speaking on our behalf. You've ever been to the place where you're so caught up in like junk that you can't even say a prayer? You can't even open up your Bible. I wonder if there's anyone that has experienced that with me and yet while you can't even lift up a prayer before God there is a man there is a Christ there is a savior that stands before the presence of the almighty and right there he is in intervention just for you he is pleading just for you his love endures man deeper not deeper but on the cross and on the resurrection and even past that i mean it's still enduring throughout eternity that he's saying my beloved yes i know she hasn't spoken to us today but i love her i know she hasn't spoken today but i died for her my love still endures for her even throughout eternity he's interceding effective intervention for you and i verse 36 continues and it says as the scripture says for your sake we are killed every day he paul says And we're being slaughtered like sheep. It shows us that that difficulties and hardships do strike Christians. And I praise God for for you guys that have admitted to it. I I have gone through hardships. I I have gone through difficulties as a Christian. When when Paul says, for your sake, we're killed every day and we're being slaughtered like sheep. This is something hard that that Christians are, are truly, truly going through. And it's teaching us in scripture that even though we are in Christ, listen to this, because I know that there's a whole other gospel that's being preached today, but even though that we are in Christ, it doesn't mean that we are exempt from suffering for Christ. And, And sometimes even in this passage, suffering for Christ, for some Christians, it means even being killed for him. Do you get that? We're seeing that very common even in our own country now. Are Christians? Re- re- I mean, are they, are they? Are they? ready to lay down their life for the one whom they call beloved, from the one whom they call love? The one like does your love endure even through the barrel? Does your love endure even even through the murderous threats? Does your love endure through the calamity, through the difficulties? Does your love endure that you'll take one for the name of Jesus? Like think about that. That's crazy. That's intense. That's what Paul is talking about. For your sake, we're killed. Paul's like, I didn't take out a sword. I took it. We take it for your sake. Because our love in return, it endures for you as well. And I read this and I get this, that as a Christian, if Paul and the church is experiencing hardships and difficulties. Who am I not to experience hardships and difficulties, but will my love endure through that? It's just like any other relationship. If you have a friendship that you're very close to, if you have someone that you're married to, if you have whatever it is, people that you're very close to, man, don't you go through hardships and difficulties with that person? But what do you do? You choose to endure with that person. Why? Because love, love, love is I'm going to make it through with you even if my feelings are not not paired up with what I know is true. I have to live in this commitment of true love, even if my feeling does not feel love. Why? Because love is deeper than how my belly gets butterflies. Love is deeper than when my skin gets goosebumps. Love is deeper than when my eye sparkles. Love is deeper than when the hair on my neck rises up. Love means my life is laid down for you, even at your worst. Love endures. So what does Paul say about the church? For your sake we're killed. You think that raised his hair up in his, you think that gave him a spark in his eye? You think that gave him butterflies in his belly? You think that gave him goosebumps on his skin when he said, for your sake we're killed? No, you know what he said there? Even when it's difficult, my love endures. Because even when it was difficult for you, your love endured for me. You guys get that? One of the definitions for endure. Write this down. Is this? Is to patiently suffer. Patiently suffer something painful or difficult. To go through something that is painful and difficult. Patiently suffer. And I wrote this down, and I want to share this with you. I believe this, and if you don't believe this with me, I don't know what to tell you, but I believe it. I believe that true love is tested in fire. In the fires of difficulty, in the fires of pain, in the fires of suffering, I truly believe that if you tell someone you love them, God's going to be like, oh, you did. You do. Cool. Let's see what happens when I crank it up a notch. And I think that in those fires, in those fires, is where you really get to experience the true definition of love. Your greatest intimacy of life, I don't think they're necessarily on the bed. I think your greatest intimacy in life is through the fire. No? I do. I do. If you've been through a fire, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you have been through a fire and you came out a totally different person? There you go. There you go. You've probably experienced intimacy now at a whole other level because your love got tested through a fire. It's easy to love on the bed. But how much harder is it to dance in the presence of God in the fire? And say, why are you dancing when it has been cranked up seven more times? Because my love endures through the fire. Man, I've seen so many people come and go in, in the faith. And I've seen so many people go, they be bitter, they be bitter. Who that? <clears throat> they be bitter, they be speak calm. <laughs> they speak calm against God's people, and then they begin to speak calm against God Himself. You know, I've seen people get so caught up in life that sometimes, even in sorrows, that they forget about who Christ and what Christ and who Christ is to them. But when we look at the church, when we look at us, we're a people that remain. We're a people that last. We're a people that endure. How many of you can say amen? Now, <clears throat> now write this down if you can, please. Not because, not because, listen, everything that I was just saying to this sentence right here. Ready? not because the feeling of not because the feeling of love has endured but instead that the commitment to love has endured all the while you guys understand that so when you look at love you've lasted not because the feeling of love has endured did you hear cs lewis's quote feelings come and go Feelings come and go. I loved when I when I was teaching high school. You know the, the young love. They're all in love with each other. All of them. I'm literally mean from one day to another, two, two of them are so madly in love, and the next day one of them is in love with that person's best friend. You ever experienced that? That young love, man. <laughs> and then you they come to you and they cry and you, you have to be. Simple, you, know, you, need, you need to be there for them and hear them, and you can't like laugh, and you have to just be like, I know what you're going through. Because you've been, you've been there. You've done the same thing. You're like, I know I, I was in high school, too, and I loved 100 girls. I remember. <laughs> See, when it comes to a relationship with the Lord, we don't endure, and, 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 and this whole endure thing, it's not, it's not because the feeling of love has endured, but it's because the commitment to love has endured. I celebrated eight years, and I pray to celebrate many years until I go to be with the Lord, amen? But that will only happen not if I base my marriage on feeling, but if I base my marriage on a commitment to love. If I base my marriage on a feeling to love Nancy, I'm going to be divorced within a year. Can I speak transparent with you? But if I base my marriage on a commitment to love Nancy, I'm going to be married to the day I die. Because a a feeling of love is different than a commitment to love. Okay? And us as Christians even when you don't have the feeling to love him anymore. You better stick on. You better hold on. You better be steadfast. You better endure. And you better be committed to love him. Amen. Even when the feeling doesn't match the commitment. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I feel madly in love with my wife. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't have no feelings of love to so her. I love her. And I do really do love her. But if, you know what I'm talking about, okay? (laughs) My mother-in-law is in the back row and uh, (laughs) she's going to tell my wife everything I'm saying. (laughs) But you know exactly what I mean by that. His love endures for you. Uh, Worship team, you can start making your way up. His love endures for you. That you pass the torture. His love endures for you. And his love endured for us past the torture, past the cross, past the the resurrection. Listen to this. His love endures for you. What does that mean to you? Here it is. Ready? That it's still enduring. It still lasts. It still remains. It still continues to be existent for you today. When you say his love endures, that you understand what it means now. He's committed to love you. He's committed to it. If you love God, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I'm getting ready to end. You will endure. But listen to this part. Whatever the cost. If you love that person, if I say I love you and you say you love me. I've heard many people say they love me. But, and, and, I, and I've at times, <laughs> I've told many people I love them. But when whatever the cost came, what the heck happened to that love, huh? You liar, you don't love me. Whatever the cost. I wonder if some of you guys saw my dirty laundry. I wonder how many of you will stop coming to this church. If you did, you don't really love me. Huh? I shouldn't even get on that topic. Let's keep going. <laughs> then he said you're smarter. <laughs> but someone who has the heart of Christ will see your dirty laundry and say, I'm going to love you even more with your dirty laundry. You guys know what that means? That you could hear the worst thing about that person. And you could say, just because I know that now, I'm going to choose to commit myself to love them even more now. The feeling of love says, oh, I can't believe him. I'm going to walk away from them, and I'm going to exile them from the church. And I, I can't have any more communion with that person. That wasn't love that was feelings. But when you're committed to love someone, the Bible says he loved you even at, the, at your darkest hour. Philip Yancey said this, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. Paul says in verse 37, no, despite all these things, everything that I've just read, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Amen. Christ who loved us. One translation says it this way, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors, meaning that that God turns everything, listen, even our suffering and death into good. Why? Yancey says it perfect. Endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn that hard thing into a glory. That is why when a Christian passes, we begin to praise Because he now, she now goes into glory. I'll see you again in glory. In verse 35, Paul raises a question. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? He now answers the same question. With absolute certainty that nothing can ever separate God's people from his love. Nothing. Nothing. Are you ready for this? Verse 38 and 39, the the anchor to my message. Here it is. And I am convinced. Everybody say, I'm convinced. And I am sure. Say, I'm sure. Another translation. And I am persuaded. Say, persuaded. That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Angels, demons, demons. Fears for today or worries about tomorrow. The powers of hell can never separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in our creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Who that? Who that say they're going to mess with God's elect? Nothing. Nothing and no one. Who that? In verse 35, can anything ever separate us? What well, no way. I am so convinced. I am so sure. I am so persuaded that nothing will ever separate me. No hot <laughs> Rewind. I say it. If I was home and I was talking to you, I would say these words. But but no, it's not a bad word, it's just not proper for church Sunday, but 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 no flame-breathing demon, Satan, person, whether it's an angelic realm or whether it's a, a government power on earth or a person, no one will ever be able to step. Can anything except Huda say that they could separate me from the Lord? And then in verse 38 and 39, he comes to a place, he comes to an assurance, he comes to a mindset that he stands up before the church and he says, I'm convinced, I am sure, I am persuaded. This is at the point of Paul's life where he has experienced fire and the fire has tested his love, and his love has endured through the fire. And I'm telling you that when he comes to the end of his life, he says, Nothing can separate me from God because I've served him in the good days and I served him in the bad days. And he's still there, he's still there, he's still there. His love endures, he speaks for me at the throne, he's there, he's telling that about me. I've made it this far, and I ain't planning on going back. Who that? Who that? I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm convinced. I'm wondering if there's anyone in here that's convinced yet. If there's anyone in here that's persuaded yet. If there's anyone in here that's sure. Of this enduring love. If you're not convinced, get ready for the fire. It's coming. Jesus loves you. <laughs> if you've been through the fire, give me a mic. Testif- Someone come up here and testify of a fire. Testify of a fire and how God's love is endured. Anyone? Preach. Help me preach. 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 Like literally just preach. I have no idea what you're going to say, but just.
1: Just when we think that we can't make it another another step, you know, we can't make it um, in our, you know, he... Sometimes he brings us to a place where where we have no option but to trust him. Where we have no option but to trust him with all our heart and not rely on our own understanding. Where we come to a place where all we can do is look to him and know that he is our strength. That he is our salvation. That he is our deliverer. That he loves us and he just has shown me in so many ways when I've gone through a difficult time he has revealed to me through different people, through different things that I've heard how much he loves me and how much he's with me and that he's never left me and that he just embraces me, he's he's with me through it all and he's shown me he doesn't have to do that because I know I have to know that we have to believe that because that's the truth of his word, but he loves me so much that he's shown me through people and, and different things. And I would just thank you, Father, because you are my strength, you are my my song, you are my joy and my peace. And he does, he never, he never forsakes us. That we can love, just like He loves us, and um, it's real. And it's not that we have to feel it; it's real. And I will believe, and I will just serve Him the rest of my days, no matter what, no matter how hard it gets. I will, I will serve Him because of His love. Amen.
0: fires, whatever things may come, we get to that point that we recognize that we are sure of this. Paul writes uh, to the church of Corinth and he says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And look at this, guys, love never fails. And in verse 4 he says, love, it actually suffers long. Sometimes the suffering is long, huh? But it's love endures through that suffering for you. So much passage, so much scripture I want to read, but I'm going to end. And as you stand with me, I tell you this, endure because you love him. Endure in what we've spoken about, in listening. Endure in obeying. Endure in valuing. Endure because you'll be amazed of how many others need you. So you need to endure for the sake of others. Endure because his love first endured for you. I shared with Rudy and Claudia, living God and living in love. When the song of Solomon, when it says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, and many waters cannot quench this love. Who? Who can separate us? Nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give all for his wealth, for his house, it would be utterly despised. That many things in life can come and try to drown us and try to destroy us, but, but, but his love is stronger than all those waters, than all those fears, that if we could get up to a point, and say, Lord, my love for you is a commitment, a commitment to love, not just a feeling in love. And I'm going to endure as you continue in your presence, in your throne to endure for me. We've talked about listening, love listens. We've spoken about obey, love obeys. And we've spoken about love values. And today we've looked at love indoors. What an amazing four truths of love. It listens obeys it values it endures. And all those things all lead to eternity. All those things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love. A love that endures for us. A love that is still an intercessory Bench in there in the throne of the Father, just speaking on our behalf. Thank you, because in you we have your righteousness. In you now we are capable to endure in this love. And Lord, if there's anyone here, anyone here, Lord, who who feels there's no more endurance, there's no more strength to their walk. Lord, Lord, let them recognize and let this be a push forward to continue to go. Continue to remain. and Continue to last. Sometimes we feel like we need to be in first place. But the Bible says, he who finishes the race. The Lord doesn't necessarily want you to burn yourself out that you're in first place. The Lord wants you to remain faithful and you just finish the race. And maybe you're like, I'm just tired because I'm not in first place. And I look at you and say, You'll never be in first place. Christ has already made it to first place. All He calls you to do now is finish the race. And then you will stand on that first place pedestal and you will stand there in the glory of Christ and bask in that glory of first place with Him in eternity. So stop trying to run a race get to a place, but run a race because of your commitment to love. Committed to love Him because of your endurance. Stay faithful. Remain. Stay committed. Lord, give us the strength. Lord, give us the strength so everyone here listen to the words we share today and know this that love endures and that's that's what the kingdom of heaven is made of it's made up of of the ones who have endured so ready however many years however However many months, however many weeks, however many days you've been serving the Lord. Amen. But keep enduring. Keep lasting. Keep remaining. Because that testimony, it will speak in eternity. And Christ is interceding for you in the presence of the Father. Amen. Lord, we thank you for that truth. We glorify your name and we thank you because your love first endures for us and let now our love endure for you we love you we praise you in Jesus name and together we say amen give us some praise